3: Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Sunday morning via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, a lot has happened to the Islanders since we last spoke. It's my fault, by the way. Uh, I was in Disney World for a week, and so I'm not really in any position to do a podcast. And uh, while I was there a whole lot of stuff went down and a whole lot of guys aren't Islanders anymore. Uh, but there is an awful lot of cap space that the Islanders didn't have, uh, when we did our last episode.
1: Yeah. It's uh, I I wasn't expecting to be in the spot. Honestly, I didn't think, um, Lou, uh, would, it seemed, it didn't seem like anybody believed that Lou Lamarillo was going to get the Islanders, the cap space they needed to have, you know, at least have a chance at a, um, a good off season where it's not just bringing the band back together which obviously is now impossible uh because of the moves they made but um here we are and uh i i think he he deserves some credit for uh getting uh the islanders to to this spot without really i mean yeah you got to replace you know, two of the guys that left for sure and but he uh you know just getting him getting us to this spot without mortgaging the future or whatever i think is is a big win
3: yeah definitely um and yeah i don't think anybody thought that he could make as many moves as has he's made and clear out as much cap space and and we'll get to all that in a second um and then in the second half of the episode we'll talk about the entry draft which just happened and the crazy schedule that came out too but um yeah i think people kind of thought most you know he might make one or two moves um but you know lou is not the kind of guy who kind of does what people expect of him all the time. Um, But the first move was, I think, one that most people expected. It was definitely the least surprising of them. And it came a couple of days before the expansion draft. Uh, Nick Letty was traded to Detroit for a second round pick uh, next season. And uh, Richard Ponick, forward, uh, formerly of the Capitals. Uh, And the Red Wings are retaining 50% on Ponick. So it's not like, you know, is he kind of a warm body at this point? Yeah, pretty much. But at you know one, I think 1.3 million uh, for the next two seasons. I mean that that's fine. It's a very reasonable price. Uh, in case you're wondering how the heck Ponica even got to Detroit, well, that he went in the Jacob Vrana uh, Anthony Mantha trade, <laughs> which I had completely forgotten he was part of. Um, and so you know it's it was understandable. Letty was making five and a half million. He had one more year left on his contract. Probably not going to get re-signed. Uh, that's a big chunk of change that the Islanders could have really used to get off the books. And they, Lou found a taker in Detroit who really could, frankly, use all the help they can get, particularly on the back end. And, you know, I think the trade made sense for a lot of other for a lot for both teams. I mean, to get a second round pick, that, that's pretty good. Uh, and the Red Wings get an asset that they can either keep or probably most likely move at the dread deadline to a contender. Uh, and so that was, you know, it, it it seemed like a reasonable deal. It seemed like, uh, you know, almost kind of like a boring trade because it's sort of make too much sense um it is sad to see Letty go because he was such a big part of the islanders uh recent uh renaissance if you will and uh but you know it needed to be done and i think both sides did pretty well
1: yeah it needed needed to be done and um that obviously had to happen and i think most people thought that we were going to have to you know give up more to get letty off the books or retain a salary or whatever so the The way that that deal um ended up was it was like a bitter yeah bittersweet win I guess the off season like this offseason was always going to be a little bittersweet um but I don't think anybody expected um that to be the way that the Letty situation resolved itself um and it and it was a sign of things to come from from Lamarillo and I think if you look around uh the league right now there are some really uh strange maneuverings in the dark going on with with GMs like they're they're making some really interesting decisions um you know the type of decisions that people assume like Lou Lamarello makes all the time whether it's you know signing Barclay Goodrow to a to a six-year deal or you know overpaying for Rasmus Ristolainen but like the Islanders have stayed out of th- that trouble like they've stayed on the fairway in this uh you know, I I you, you guess in golf terms, like this this offseason would be a par five. It'll be a lot a lot there's a lot to do before they get to the green. And um right now like they're on the fairway. They've set themselves up nicely and, and it started with Letty um because you know it was it, it would have sucked a lot more to lose him had the Islanders lost him in a bad way, right? Like had yeah. they given up paid paid Detroit a first round pick to take the contract off the books or whatever. Um so the fact that it set up the way it did was – it leaves a good taste in your mouth, which he deserves, right, with the 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 type of Islander he was. He was – God, he was here for a long time and, and had a couple of, like, blinding seasons. Um, Then, then just settled into – I think he he really set the bar high for himself, maybe too high for himself. By the way, so did Johnny Boychuk in that one season that they had uh, together. And from that point on, they kind of both just settled into – Roles as reliable NHL like middle pair defenseman, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, and if you if you can keep those guys around for a long time, it's it's good, and they'll uh, they'll bo- both be missed. Obviously, you know we we miss Boychuk um, on the ice for a lot of reasons, and now we miss Letty for for much more, uh, uh, you know, gameplay reasons, I guess, or or skills that he ha- possesses that the Islanders now need to replace. And and I think uh, you know part part of the when losing these guys, whether it be Letty or or Everly, um, the the th- the thing I didn't want to happen was that they left on like a sour note or it was best, something that ended up hurting the Islanders, and neither really did. Um, and you can really that that helps you appreciate who their tenure as the Islanders because both of them deserve it like a lot. Like you, we were celebrating the trade, and then it kind of hit you like, oh no, like now we got to replace this guy who who <laughs> was an awesome Islander for you know, whatever, six, seven seasons, whatever it was.
3: Yeah, I think it was, like I said, about as good a deal for both sides as you could possibly get. And yeah, that's a good point. Like, Letty leaving in this way certainly doesn't leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth. And, you know, it, we all kind of understood that at some point he he would probably be the odd man out. I mean, <laughs> people have been fan trading Letty now for how many years? <laughs> you know, looking, at, looking at, at the most, in a way, movable uh, member of the team that's making a lot of dough. Uh, and so it worked out, you know, and again, I don't think Ponick is going to move the needle. I feel like he's going to be kind of a uh, Tom Kunackle 2.0, just kind of spotting every once in a while and probably end up in the AHL at some point. Uh, and for half the price, I mean, who cares? And to get a second round pick like that's the thing, too, is, you know, I like you think you said most people figured they would have to give up something else. But uh, it didn't work out that way. Again, the, the trade made almost makes too much sense to not have happened. It's just it's weird that it took as long as it did. But uh, yeah, you know, we all got to say kind of proper goodbye to Nick Letty. And obviously the good news is that being that it's Detroit, the Islanders don't have to see him whatever six or whatever times next season. And, uh, and it doesn't have to become like a whole thing. And so I expect him to get a rousing uh, round of applause when he comes back to the Colise- or to UBS Arena the first time they play. And, uh, you know, nice tribute video. And yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us will forget. We've talked about a lot. The, the arrival of Boychuck and Letty was a real watershed moment for the team. And uh, now they're both gone. And, and, you know, Chuck is still around, obviously. He's still in the books for one more year. But, uh, you know, this is how it works. It's funny that it happens, you know, in the course of one whatever podcast era. But uh, it it does happen. So uh, it's pretty cool. Um, So, yeah, that was move number one. I think a day or two later, move number two happened, which was equally as surprising. But uh, and definitely more beneficial to the Islanders and kind of made everybody chuckle a little bit. Andrew Ladd, of all people, the guy, probably the the number one guy that nobody thought Lou Lamarella would ever be able to get rid of, was sent to the Arizona Coyotes with, not four, with a 2021 second round pick, a 2022 second round pick, and a conditional 2023 second round pick. uh, The conditions being the uh, Coyotes won't get the pick, the Islanders will keep it uh, if Ladd plays in any pro games in 22, 23. Uh, I guess that includes AHL uh, or he retires before the end of that season. So it's possible it's three picks uh, or maybe just be two picks, but what did they get in return? Nothing. They got nothing back. They didn't get a player. They didn't get a pick. They didn't get anything. What they got back really was cap space because lad still had five and a half million on his deal. Uh, AAV uh, against the cap for the next two seasons. And they were trying to get rid of him for a while now. And that space is the return for the deal and i saw a lot of people like how do you trade somebody for nothing and we'll get to another deal that happened a day or two later that was the same exact thing how do you trade somebody for nothing why would you do that you gave up extra picks we all know why you would do that to get the the cap space back and lad's cap space has been killing the islanders really since the second year he was here the first year i i mean you know he, he scored 23 goals and be like, well, you know, they were pretty quiet, but maybe he at least he was on the ice ever since then. It's been injury and in after injury and ineffectiveness. And the thing that really stuck out to me was that he, the only playoff game Andrew Ladd ever appeared in for the Islanders was that infamous game two against the Lightning, uh, in last year's playoffs. And that to me is insane. I thought he had played in, you know, I thought he had played in the penguin series the year before and the, you know, the hurricane series that year that uh, he didn't. And they obviously missed a couple of years before that. So like that was shocking to me and almost very indicative of like his tenure with the Islanders. Like he was here, but he wasn't here and he was just taking up a lot of cap space. And then when he was there, he ended up hurting them <laughs> more than anything else. So, uh, that was a shocking deal. Again, raised a couple of eyebrows, but I think people just were like, that's Lou, man. He figures out a way to make it work. And in the span of 48 hours, the Islanders cleared 10 or $11 million in cap space that they're going to eventually use to sign guys that are going to be here for a while. And I mean, that's that's pretty remarkable. Like, I don't care that they got nothing back from Arizona. I don't want anything back from Arizona. The, the the cap space is what they got back. And what Arizona wants with Andrew Ladd, I have no idea,
1: but good luck.
3: That's all I got to say. Have fun with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, nobody, nobody thought that the Islanders were going to be able to clear that s- space except for you. You, you, you <laughs> have been the only guy who, who's been as um, confident that somebody <laughs> would take that contract as you were. And um, you were right. It, <laughs> and, yeah, you think about his, you think about the three guys that left and it's just, none of them were, they were all, um, you know, acquired by a trader free agency. None of them were homegrown Islanders, but it's just, you just couldn't think of like a more different, um, you know, kind of feeling between you know, Letty and Eberly. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, and Lad, and it's kind of funny because, the you know, the Islanders have this reputation of uh right now, of being like a, a veteran team with, with guys like, you know, Jordan Everly and Nick Letty and Andrew Ladd's types and um the, the the fact that two of them worked out so well and one of them just blew up in, you know, historically <laughs> spectacular fashion is just shows you how funny the sport is. Um and yeah, I mean yeah, I, I actually in think when he left lad you know I, I was trying to just think about you know what moments i can remember um from lad's uh tenure that that were good and i i remembered that oh you know he played in the the return of john tavares that that game mm. i remember him playing that game so i actually um you know i watched the highlights of it like the 10 minute video on the nhl.com like the condensed game and he, he had a great hit on Jake Muzzin early in the game, like as the crowd was like really into it Um, that kind of lifted the crowd again. Uh, and he had an assist on a, on a goal by Valtteri Filppula. And I was like, I guess maybe this is his best game as an Islander. Like I don't, or most, you know, poignant one. Cause I can't, I can't think of another moment Um, other than, yeah, the the bad one of him missing the check or mm. the missing his assignment in game two against the lightning. And, um, or, and, and, you know, we can talk about that till the cows go, come home, but why the hell was he on the ice at that point? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, um, the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's really it. I mean, you can, you, his, what a, an incredibly strange day. And And you think about it this way, right? Like, the day that Letty and Boychuk came back was one of the greatest kind of off season days in recent Islander history. And then the day that lad Lad showed up was one of the worst because of the guys (laughs) that left and him showing up. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, unfortunate because what he, by all, you know, by all accounts, he seemed to be like the type of guy that the Islanders needed in to like, you know, build not build, but like to like glue the room together or whatever. Um, with the the Tavares uh, kind of core, um, and they all left when he came. So like there was no he was supposed to be the adult in the room, but all of a sudden uh, he was became like I don't know, he was like a a, a joke um, almost now, and he's gonna unfortunately you know that's that sports is you you some. Uh, some players end up like the butt of the joke of of the joke at some franchises. By the way, I mean the guy won Stanley Cups already, so it's like he's had a crazy career. He's he's mm. incredibly rich because of his contract with the Islanders, and um, so I don't think he'll you know he'll mind being the, the butt of the, a joke with with the Islanders <laughs> where, where with the with the other teams he played with he he has a much better reputation. But for here, it's uh, yeah, he's uh, going to go down as I guess one of the kind of most uh, expensive or you know bad contracts in the salary cap era for this for this franchise because I, I can't think of another one i mean you you can maybe talk about rick but um i don't you know at least he was like a homegrown guy and, and there was some like logic to what they were doing um whereas lad i you know i don't know i don't know if there'll be another one that'll go down worse uh than him
3: well i mean because in di pietro's case like it was about loyalty. Like he wanted to stay with a team that had drafted him first overall. And and he was obviously super tight with Charles Wong. And so you get that lad is really, I mean, he's really the first major free agent the Islanders ever signed. Like you could maybe say Grabowski and Kuhlerman were there too, but like those guys didn't have the same reputation that lad had. Like you said, the two Stanley cups, he had been a captain and had been around and yeah, he was meant to be the sort of you know guiding light to this young team you know pull them along and be that veteran leader and and you know for what it's worth like the, i get what you're saying like he he's a joke to the the contract and his tenure with the islanders is a joke to us as fans and obviously fans outside but i you know i i think he was a part of the group like it was never like you know he never complained i, I think the guys on the team liked him obviously bunch of his teammates went fishing with him. Letty was, was one of them. uh Barcel too. And, you know, I think he was embraced by the group as much as you could. But, you know, at the same time, eventually, you know, Andrews Lee is now the leader of this team. And, you know, they go kind of where he goes. And, and that's just how it is. And, like, eventually you have to kind of give way to the what the room is telling you. And in this case, you know, it, Andrew Ladd never really established himself as that leader under John Tavares, and now forget it under under Anders Lee, he's definitely not because he was barely there. But like <laughs> he went to the AHL, he never complained, at least not publicly. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so his status as the basically the only <laughs> outside free agent to ever sign with the Islanders, uh, it makes him you know kind of unique. But the way it went down since then has been just a complete disaster. The absolute worst case scenario. But the funny thing is, and it's just occurred to me because you brought up, you know, that summer, the summer of 2016 is, you know, infamously terrible for free agent contracts and the flames and oilers traded their bad contracts from that year. James Neal and Milan Lucic. And they're still stuck with those guys. Um, Franz Nielsen is still in Detroit. Kyle Oposo is still in Buffalo, but the Islanders managed to get out it took five years, but they managed to get out from under lad and bring back Matt Martin. So, you know, in a way it took a long time, obviously, but you know, they've finally sort of corrected uh, that, that off season and and the mistakes of it. And I guess we'll all just have to hope that they never make that same mistake again, but you know, everybody's different. Circumstances are different. I don't know if there's another Andrew lad out there.
1: One, like another thing too, I think to to use Ladd as like an example of is like, yeah, so you think about two thousand sixteen, Andrew Ladd is the Islander's marquee free agent signing hmm. uh their first one, like you said, basically ever at least in the in the salary cap era um, and now, five years later, we're a free agent destination. you'd think that <laughs> somebody you know created a tax haven uh and in on Long Island for these guys because, you know, it's usually Tampa that, that people are, will, will mention in, in um, you know, here's the list of teams that big free agent wants to go to. The Islanders are never on that list. Um, they they were on that list for Andrew Ladd and uh he signed here and it didn't work out, but now what's for the first time ever, you know, the, the, the biggest free agent on the market name check the Islanders um, mm. as a place. So, it is uh it is pretty crazy how how long or how far the islanders have come in so many ways um mm. and one of them is this one from mm. andrew from lad to Landeskog you know like pretty <laughs> yeah, crazy
3: well, it, it is pretty crazy and and once ubs arena opens and again we're going to talk about that crazy schedule uh in the second half uh it probably gets even better so so farewell andrew lad it didn't work out here i hope the fishing is good in arizona <laughs> um, and you enjoy the rest of your your career. So that's that was move number two. Then move number three came as part of the Seattle Kraken expansion draft. By the way, Gary Bettman saying Seattle Kraken, I, I, he just seems very uncomfortable saying that. I feel like he kind of gave his tacit approval on that, that name as being like, I don't get it, but I guess if people want it, okay. Like, you know, because it doesn't it doesn't quite roll off his tongue the way you know Detroit Red Wings or Vancouver Canucks do. But in any event, um, the Islanders put in their expansion draft list, and there were some surprises on it. Josh Bailey, uh, of all people, was um, unprotected, which I don't think a lot of people. I mean, I certainly didn't expect it. You didn't, um, but also Jordan Eberle was left unprotected. Uh, another guy who I don't think people expected to be on that list. Um, Both guys recently signed extensions for about the same money, again, about $5.5 per year. Um, And there was some concern for, I don't know, 48, 72 hours, whatever it was, about who would be gone. And I I don't think anybody really expected Bailey to go. Uh, It would have been weird to see him in a different uniform. But it started to come around that, Maybe Eberly makes sense. And as good as he has been with Matthew Barzell, as much as he has become... You know, you talk about... It's almost the exact opposite of Ladd. Like, I mean, obviously, one was a trade and one was a, a free agent. But, like, Eberly came here and immediately became an Islander. Like, he just... He he got it, and and if you follow him on Twitter or you know him, uh, Chris Howard of the uh, always entertaining and very unusual obstructive views podcast, he was the biggest Jordan Everly fan I think any of us ever knew. But you know he has a point. Like Jordan Everly was a New York Islander. Like he was a guy who established himself very quickly as part of this team's culture. And he, you know, he signed the extension and he wanted to be here, but. When you're looking at a free a a summer a summer where you need to sign a lot of restricted free agents and make a lot of moves to augment the team to get them over the hump, suddenly those nineteen goals for five and a half million a year seems like could be spent elsewhere and it seemed like it made a lot of sense for Everly to come off the books and so he was the pick uh there was no side trades the Kraken didn't make any side deals at all with anybody he was just straight up the Islanders pick he's really the only guy on the roster now if you look at it that has any goal scoring ability at all uh which is going to be a lot of fun for him I'm sure he's gonna he might have like a Mary Stierkowski type season where he's just the only guy with the puck <laughs> all the time and he ends up scoring like 35 goals but you know he he. this is the probably the most bittersweet because again this guy got it he was effective yes he had very long droughts and he drove all of us crazy in particularly in the playoffs this year um but that five and a half million is going to go to somebody else and it kind of needs to and Lou saw an opportunity to, to, you know, get a big chunk of money off his books and find, you know, in a replaceable scenario, I love Jordan Everly too, but he's a replaceable player. And, and with Kyle Palmieri, maybe lurking around still, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, you know, I think Lou saw that as an opportunity. So uh, Bailey stays, Leo Komarov stays, Kiefer Bellows stays, all these guys we thought that <laughs> we hope in Seattle uh, could take. Uh, they're all still here, but Jordan Everly is not and uh you know it, it it's it sucks but i think in a practical sense people get it and uh you know the, they'll come around to it and it was t- i was on a plane coming back from disney world and watching the expansion draft on the espn on the seat in front of me and i did not expect jordan Everly to be on that stage in seattle <laughs> talking about how excited he was to be a <laughs> seattle kraken so that was a little bit that was a little bit hard to watch and you know my wife is sitting next to me and i'm tapping her on the shoulder and i'm like that's Jordan (laughs) Islanders. I don't know if she understood what I was saying, if she understood the expansion draft and all this stuff, but I'm like, it's that kind of stinks, but, but I get it. And I wish him nothing but the best uh, way out there in the Western conference. So you don't have to see him (laughs) too often again. Also we'll get a rousing uh, round of applause and cool tribute video. I'm sure when he comes back. So there you go.
1: Yeah. It really like, like the Letty thing, there was a, you know, a school of thought out there that Lou would have to bribe the Kraken to take <laughs> Everly because of the, the hit. And the fact that the, like the Islanders come away without having to give anything up to lose him is the same thing. It, makes, it doesn't leave a bad taste in your mouth. And it really did become real when you saw him on that stage. But um, you think you, you put it in, first of all, the, the Bailey thing, <laughs> boy, did that have <laughs> me worried and feeling just nervous about everything and you know see if i i really just because of what has happened with you know Tavares and um the the career arc of Josh Bailey to see it end as an to see his islander career end in an expansion draft when he he didn't have to you know go would that would have really in two in two very different things it would have been both really, really sad and upsetting, but also the most Josh Bailey thing to happen uh, at the same time. But um, yeah, I, I mean, and, and what it did was it, it was, it made you, I was so focused on ba- the Bailey half of the saga that I didn't like fully appreciate, you know, what, what the Islanders are going to lose in, in Jordan Everly, which is what you said. Like here, here is a guy who you don't know when the goals are going to come, but you know, they're going to come. Like they, they might not come for a couple of weeks, but They might, uh, when they do come, they'll show up in bunches and they'll go away for a while. But Jordan (laughs) Everly, at the end of the season, you know, in an 82 game season at least, will will end up, you know, close to 20 goals or whether it's above it or below it um, and be a good top six winger for a team. And um, like you said, it's, it's, he's, he's hard to replace, but he is replaceable. Um, And the Islanders, I think Kyle Palmieri's successful stint makes it easy because, you know, yeah, if the Islanders want to go take a shot at, um, you know, a bigger name out there, whether it's Tarasenko or Glannis Gogg or whatever to replace, uh, Eberle, um, the fact that Kyle Palmieri is there seems to be pretty safe plan B, um, really made him, uh, expendable. And, um, you yeah, know, now, now they just, you know, you, you wish him the best and, and it like, like with Letty, like, and these two guys ending up with, with Detroit and Seattle, um, where you don't really have to worry about them, uh, you know, ruining the Islanders season, uh, <laughs> you know, cross your fingers, uh, is good. And, uh, it does, he, you know, I think, uh, you know, going back to when he arrived, when Everly arrived, like it's funny that he came here and everyone expected, all right, this is the guy the Islanders brought in to be, you know, the, the, the winger that John Tavares, we looked for, for, for Tavares whole career, he needs a running mate. Right. And, uh, who's going to play next to John Tavares on the first line. And, they go get Jordan Everly, um, and obviously Tavares walks, and <laughs> they just slot Matt Barzell next to him, and and the guy, you know, helped Barzell become a first line center, um, and the two of them were basically inseparable on the ice. So, um, you know, it'll be an adjustment period for Barzell, I'm sure, too. And uh, but I think you, you just can't really, you can't have. Sc- penciled in you know if you penciled in josh jordan Everly's career when the islanders traded f- for him for ryan stroman uh, uh you know in know one of those one for one deals uh if you had penciled in this career for him at that time or if someone had offered you you know hey if if this is how jordan eberly's islander career goes you'd sign up for it he he really came as advertised and never wasn't as advertised uh and he also signed uh you know as as much of a nuisance as the, as the cap hit has became, I guess, in this off season, he, he would have got more on the open market, um, in the summer after Trotz's first year, him and Nelson, I think both could have got, um, you know, higher AAV on, on the open market. And they took, you know, relatively team friendly deals, uh, uh, at the time. And, uh, so, you know, there was just, there was just a lot to like, there was really nothing not to like about him. There was stuff, yeah, like you said, you get frustrated because he could go, you know, seven games without scoring and whatever. (laughs) Um, But he, there was really nothing to complain about, about his Islander career. They made it to the conference finals twice with him. They had that obviously magical season with Trotz uh, and Lou uh, for the first season that they were in charge. Uh, So he was a part of really just, a big part of one of the you know best eras in Islander history. Uh, and like you said, when he returns, um, he he's going to be treated extremely well and, and will be for, you know, the rest of his life is from a fan base that, you know, takes care of, of those things maybe better than any other fan base. So, um, yeah, I mean, not, not much, you know, there's really nothing to complain about, about his tenure. Uh, but, and, and, and losing that cap hit is, is going to, hopefully make the team better. So uh, like you said, replaceable player, very good player, someone who, uh, who who will be missed, but yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's, so let's talk about where that,
3: that uh, cap money is going to go real quick. (laughs) Uh, Arthur staple had an article uh, in the athletic after the draft this week. Uh, Before I forget, by the way, make sure you get to Amazon pre-order arts book, which comes out, I believe in November it's called 100 Things Islanders Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Uh it's a bit of a grim title, but I think you get the point. Uh and uh he's he's written it. I know that there's a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff in there and and I think Islanders fans will appreciate all the the tiny minutia and the little moments and stuff that are going to be mentioned in that book. So get to Amazon and pre-order that today. Um but the article that he put out is also a little bit grim <laughs> uh in the sense of uh, setting up where the islanders are at now with all of this cap space that they have um you know as art points out in the article itself you know just because he hears something doesn't mean that that's exactly where the that situation is at the time uh you know things could change from between when he heard it when he wrote it and what's going on now but uh as it stands in the article um zach parisi seems to be uh If one foot on the Island already, he probably has already announced, you know, visited there. Uh, The Islanders hired his skating coach, longtime skating coach, I believe, uh, which is kind of a precursor of things to come. Uh, Free agency opens on Wednesday, by the way. So I would expect Parisi to be one of uh, the first people to sign and probably with the Islanders. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't signed with the Islanders. That being uh, right there. Uh, Paul the Islanders haven't had any major talks with him yet. They have opened the dialogue, I guess, but, uh, kind of keeping that door open. I'm sure Lou told Kyle like, Hey, look, we got to get some ducks in a row first, but we want to bring you back. And it sounded like he wanted to come back and, you know, would have a good situation. I don't know. You know, he's a, he's a tough one to peg. Like, what would he want? You know? I mean, he he could wait for a big payday, I guess, but I don't know if that's necessarily happening. Um, and you know, if he did, then he'd have to move on to, to another team. But, uh, know yeah, maybe, maybe if he likes it and is willing to, you know, come in at a reasonable price that the Islanders can fit under their new cap situation. Oh, so I guess they're, I think I should have written this down, but I believe they're at like 21 million. If you count boy being put on LTIR before the season. Uh, I think that's what they're at right now. And it's, it, it's
1: like, I think it's close to 24 million.
3: Oh, all right. So even better. Um, and, you know, when you consider that they were over the cap, <laughs> like a week and a half ago, that's pretty darn good. Um, so, you know, Palmieri could be fit if, if it's reasonable. Um, Casey Sazekas is a UFA. Adam Pellick is an RFA. Both hugely important players, both making huge first offers to the Islanders. And that's where it gets into the whole, like, you know, this is what negotiation is all about. The player ask is really high. The team ask is really low. The team counter is really low and hopefully they find some place in the middle. Um, like Bailey, I find it very hard to believe Sezekis would end up someplace else. Pelik, you know, is an RFA. Um, so he's not going to end up anywhere else. I doubt anybody's going to give him an offer sheet, but uh, you know, he's a very important guy who doesn't score too many goals. So, you know, what are his comps like? And mm-hmm. Zizekas, um, we'll have to see. He could get a lot. Zach Hyman is poised to get a five and a half million dollar deal from the Oilers very similar player to Sizikis. Um, People were concerned that the Islanders had protected Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck in the expansion draft. Well, guess what? Those guys playing on line with Casey Sezikis, so that must have been a bit of a message there. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, as of Wednesday, Casey could be an unrestricted free agent, which would be very awkward. And uh, we'll have to see how how that shakes out maybe in the next couple of days. Maybe by the time you hear this, uh, there's a deal in place. Who knows? Um, as for Ryan Suter, who was also bought out, by the wild uh like zach parisi would he fit nick letty's position yeah pretty pretty perfectly i'd say and the fact that he's getting buyout money from the wild means that maybe he wouldn't take that much but he's still pretty darn good and he has a lot of suitors (laughs) uh for his (laughs) skills and one of them apparently is dallas and that seems to be where things are leaning according to what art is hearing um you know uh, why you'd want to sign in dallas you know okay team they were in the cup final obviously 2 years ago but uh and not the islanders i don't know he just likes it there i guess better that's fine by hitting me um but you know that would be a problem for the islanders like cuz he really would fit what they're doing uh pretty well that would leave guys like one of your favorites mike riley uh out there alex galagoski who is somehow like 37 years old i didn't, didn't even know he was that old uh and other names out there as sort of plan b c d e um so we'll have to kind of see what happens there, too, again, Wednesday is is UFA free agency frenzy. Um, so, yeah, basically my point <laughs> is that the Islanders have cap space now. And how they do – how they use it will affect their future. There are some guys that they need to get signed, some guys they would like to get signed. And depending on where all those guys come in – you hope that they don't create more problems after doing really, really excellent work, getting rid of a bunch of problems that they already had. Uh, that would really suck to, uh, to sign these guys to contracts that would become problems. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see again. By the time you hear this, things could have changed immensely, uh, particularly for Zizekas. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, what Lou does with the rest of this, uh, this summer. And uh, what his newfound money?
1: Just, just getting to this point too, like, the 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 discourse on lamarillo i think there you know it's fair to to criticize some of the stuff he's done al- always like uh, um he, he's some of the problems that they've had are his doing uh for sure but uh people are much quicker n- n- not not on the islanders you know kind of universe but outside of it are much quicker to criticize him uh, than they are to to kind of say good work uh and uh he's he's done really good work to get them to this point uh and and has changed the perception of this team i think people often forget that you know being a general manager or being in charge of whatever his t- other title i guess president of team you know emperor whatever you want to call him um he he's uh part part of your job is is obviously roster construction and personnel and whatever another big part of it is hiring the right coach. And the other part of it is, is kind of installing or instilling a, um, you know, an ethos and a a culture in, in an organization. And obviously, you know, that Lou gets, you know, an A plus there because he's completely changed (laughs) the Islanders, um, you know, as a, as a franchise in terms of, you know, their, their culture. Um, And obviously the, the, the trots, is an A, plus and you know, whatever his roster construction is a ro- bit of a roller coaster ride. But, um, the fact that the Islanders are now have all this cap space and can use it on players that want to come and would be useful, uh, would is you know, not a small achievement, uh, and one that his predecessor, uh, you know, could have. Garsono did a lot of good things. Um, he, he's a lot of the, the players that the Islanders are uh trotting out every night, are Garsono. Draft picks and acquisitions, um, but the one thing he could never do was the the co- getting the right coach, I guess, and um, getting the the team to have some sort of accountability. Um, so Lute, Lute obviously deserves a lot of kudos for for getting the Islanders to to this point, um, coming off the seasons the two past two seasons that they've had, because uh, I think a lot of people expected the because of their cat problems, the Islanders to be in a spot where it really did look like uh, what happened last season would, would be the Zenith and it could be uh, mm-hmm. And getting back to the conference finals is not going to be easy or getting past. It will be really tough, but um, now they're in a spot where that it doesn't seem like they're, if it, it, it you just, it, there's no like obvious step back where it, it looked for, for a little while there. Like you get a little nervous that, Oh man, like, this this offseason could is very precarious and could get it could be a real disaster and it hasn't been yet um so i'm pretty thankful and and i honestly didn't have the confidence in (laughs) Lamarilla to get it done to put us in the spot and uh here we are so yeah it's uh it's gonna be fun fun day wednesday and the, the days leading up to it uh and the Islanders are going to be involved. You keep hearing on every other podcast, you know, one team to keep an eye on is the Islanders yeah. uh, who, who, you know, who now have cap space and are in on these guys. So if, if all these people are saying that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire.
3: Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. We, we didn't mention Gabriel Landeskog who is inching closer to free agency with the Avalanche. He's their captain, obviously. Uh, the Avalanche just handed uh young uh, defenseman, Kale McCarr, a $9 million a year contract. Mm. That might be a problem uh, to fit Landeskog there. I don't believe for a second he's coming here. To be perfectly honest, we just talked about Andrew Ladd being the only outside free agent this team has ever signed. It would be really surprising for them to go from Andrew Ladd to Gabriel Landeskog. Uh I, I don't know, really seeing that happen. Landeskog is still a very good player, very similar to Anders Lee. You know, big guy sitting pretty good in front of the net, but he's got I think a bit more skating uh, ability there, and, and he's been a captain of the Avalanche f- forever, since I think since he was like 20 years old or whatever it was. But, um, you know, w- we'll have to see. I, I, that's the guy, you know, people like to to talk about. Oh, well, now they have the, you know, what are they setting up? Why, why are they getting rid of all this money to set up for a big play? And maybe it's the biggest play is Landis Gog. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, also, uh, Jack Eichel would have to be traded for, and um, I can't really see that happening. <laughs> they don't they don't have the the assets and uh they don't really need centers but well, anyway, yeah,
1: the, the, the eichel saga has been something yeah. else just just a weird kind of str- It it's it feels very shady every, everything that's going yeah. on with the eichel thing it's like every, every day he's uh you know you hear a different thing and it's it's about like his neck like mm. it's it's just very strange to hear all these um insiders talking about you know, some someone else's neck surgery and in the medical <laughs> records, and why that's like holding things up. And uh, you know, he's a great player, but one that is is going to probably end up in our division with with a rival, uh, mm. which which will suck. But um, the the maneuvering that that uh, the Rangers are doing to 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 facilitate even just the possibility of it, like trading away Pavel Bucinevic, uh signing Barclay Goodrow to a weird like. It, it's the, the Metro as a whole, and this this kind of adds to the the lamarillo su- success of this off season is what else is going on the, the, the other stuff going on in the division is is incredibly weird uh mm. and the Islanders have managed to just stay the course uh in yeah. in these really weird choppy waters, and the uh, Flyers
3: but, made a huge deal to get Ryan Ellis from yeah. Nashville, which was scary at the them. time like that, yeah, it was like wow that's that's a really good trade they did the same thing with Shane Gostisbehere that the Islanders did with Ladd. In that they traded into Arizona for nothing, but like Gotsis Bear is still an actual player. Like I don't know, (laughs) I don't, I don't get it. And then they balance that out by trading a first round pick and a bunch of other stuff for. Rasmus Ristolainen, right? Yeah, Erasmus. Yeah. yeah, Rasmus. Yeah, sorry, Rasmus Ristolainen. I only know him as Risto from Buffalo because everybody's always complaining about him, you know. And he's been one of the worst defensemen in the league for a long <laughs> time now. Uh, and they gave up a, a haul for him; it's crazy. <laughs> and then they traded Jake Voracek to to Columbus for Cam Atkinson, who are both very similar players. Although one guy makes you know about three
1: million more than the other guy. So I, I don't I don't know what's going on. It's weird. It's, it's, yeah, weird. it's Ristolainen was. I was hoping he would go somewhere to like, you know, benign like Arizona or whatever, where I could root for him because nothing, nothing confuses me more than when uh, a player who isn't performing well makes people mad. Like <laughs> who, who cares that Rasmus Ristolainen, you know, his, his numbers don't grade out well, like no, uh, analytics blogger, like it's not, he's, it's, he's not doing this to spite you. Like this is that like, people like don't like this guy um, because his, his, numbers look bad uh which and it's always it's very confusing when like the analytics community you know you'll hear you'll hear so much about analytics darlings Mm. um but you you hear just as much about people like these these whipping boys and and they all like gang up on him like rasmus ristolainen like he stole their lunch money (laughs) when all he did was play hockey doing his job and He's, he's not the one who's deciding how much time he gets to play and mm. what his role on a team is and who, what his contract is like. So uh, it's yeah. not, I like when those guys, uh, when those guys make good, like, like how everybody overreacts to, to, to trades. And as we'll talk like draft picks and three years later, the Shea Weber PK Subban trade, which everybody, you know, lampooned the Canadians for making now is, looks like a great trade for them. And, uh, there was a tweet yesterday where well, I think it was uh, Micah McCurdy was like, well, if I had the model I use now back then, I would I would have thought that this was a win for Montreal. Like, Yeah, well, you didn't, and everyone made fun of Montreal and this trade and the, the deal that they signed Weber to, and now it looks good, but you can't just say, oh, no, I was wrong on that one, and perhaps maybe we should just not go crazy every time a team makes a trade we don't think is bad, but... Uh, that's that's the end of the tangent it's just it's, that kind of stuff is it's it's yeah. so so grating to to read
3: it is and and the the unfortunate part is that social media is still the best way to like stay mm-hmm. up to date with this kind
1: of stuff and the like, data that, and the stuff that these folks put out there is very useful sure
3: yeah but <laughs> even like you know you we all we're all hockey fans we have to follow mckenzie we have to follow friedman we have to follow lebron and Drager and like all these guys and, it's, and yet half of the stuff they they tweet out drives us all crazy, you know? But, like, you have to be up on it. Yeah. Frank Saravalli this week was tipping the, you know, expansion. We all knew Jordan Everly was the expansion draft pick hours before he actually arrived on stage in Seattle. So you have to be on it, but at the same time, it can be a lot (laughs) and it can be demoralizing and (laughs) depressing. Uh, And we're not even the players that they're talking about, but uh, it can happen. So yeah, uh, big doings. uh, And I think you said it best, you know, the Islanders set, set themselves up for success. So hopefully they can grab it. Uh, Okay, we are going to take a break real quick, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the entry draft, which also happened this weekend, uh, and uh, the Islanders' uh, next season schedule, which will uh, include the opening of UBS Arena. So give us a minute and come right back. All right, thanks.
2: At Luckylandslots.com. dot available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Turns and conditions supply.
3: Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey dot where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over a hundred classic hockey logos. Yes, it's the summer. Yes, it's the last week in July. But you could always buy cool stuff at VintageIceHockey They have Louisiana Ice Gators stuff. I mean, come on, where else are you going to get that? VintageiceHockey.com. They also have our Al Arbor T-shirts and our portion of the sales of that go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. And you can also use the code Lighthouse15 to save yourself 15%. So go to VintageiceHockey.com today, uh, buy some cool stuff. Maybe this is the year we add a new shirt. We'll see what happens. Uh, I like the Al Arbor shirt, but in any event. Um, So this week was also the initial entry draft. The Islanders didn't have a pick until the middle of the second round. So if you watched Friday's first round like I did, uh, that means you're a very dedicated hockey fan, Uh, probably hoping for a trade. There were a lot of trades made that day, but none of them involved the Islanders. Owen Power went first overall to the Buffalo Sabres, and Matthew Berniers went second to the Seattle Kraken. I forget who went third. doesn't really matter. Um, But the Islanders sat around. Until the middle of the second draft, the second round, and used their first pick at number 52 and came away with a guy whose name you may have heard and was not long ago projected as a first-round pick, if not per- per- perhaps potentially a first overall pick, a guy named Atu Ratti from Finland. And he's a guy he had a spectacular junior career as a kid, and you know, was 15, 16, 17, sort of decimating. The other kids in Finland and went to play in Liga, the Finnish Elite League, and suddenly things could have dried up for him. Uh, he wasn't scoring at the same rate. The pandemic took a toll on his sort of scheduling. He was bouncing between leagues. Uh, he was practicing so hard that the coaches had to tell him to take a break because he was killing his legs before games. And that all comes from a, a really cool interview on The Athletic by Scott Wheeler uh, with uh, Ratti, but just before – the draft uh and so he fell he fell precipitously and right into the islanders lap and you know we're not draft gurus like we don't follow this stuff but i can tell when the islanders made a good pick by how many people are pissed off that they made that pick so that happened with noah dobson and oliver walsh and people like oh come on they got both of these guys now it kind of happened i saw a lot of people being like oh come on the islanders sat around for a day and a half and they end up with this guy so you know there are concerns um Again, you know, when production drops off that much over the course of a year, it could be a problem. But dude is six two, seems to really be. He had a really cool interview. Seems to be a very highly intelligent kid, and he's motivated. He's going to be in Finland this year again, so we got a while to go. But uh, they might have lucked into a pretty good pick here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get. This is going to be like an Alex de Brinket situation. But uh, I was sort of satisfied. You know, just judging by what I've read, I was like, wow, that this might be an interesting pick as opposed to just some guy from Sweden that we've never heard of before so
1: we'll we'll have to see how that pans out yeah I think you put it right it 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 pissed off a lot of the right people (laughs) that's how you know and uh it seems like uh yeah I mean that's the type of pick you want to make in the Islander situation too right you want to if you're not picking till the till the second round for your first pick you know take the potential home run who could also be a flame out or whatever because <laughs> that's you know the that's if you're not picking in the first 10 right. where you really need to get it right like you can take some chances and uh, I like that you know strategy and obviously I have no idea I never you know I don't really pay too much attention to the draft when the Islanders aren't <laughs> before neither does Elvis but we uh you know bef- before before in the in the lead up but like you I was watching it and keeping an eye on it and unfortunately there was so much activity that went on before the draft that would have made the show I, I think i think the draft and the expansion draft really should have been a lesson obviously the nhl doesn't ever learn these lessons that they can like turn these couple days into like a festival like an off-season festival where it's you know the te- the, the team that hosts the draft can also host the free agent frenzies guys uh from tsn or whatever and you can make it a shout, Like you can make things exciting when, when guys sign or whatever, and these trades that all happen, but the NHL doesn't really like to, to do those kind of things. But uh, yeah, I mean, I left the draft kind of like thinking the same thing, the, feeling the same uh, as I did before, which was, um, you know, the Islanders are set up well and they seem to do pretty well with the draft. And there's nothing to, to there, there was no reason to, to criticize the, the, you know, Lamarillo and the decision makers. And if there was, people would. That is definitely true.
3: Our friend Kerry Haber called this probably the chalkiest draft the Islanders have had in quite some time because they seem to just take the best player available, according to uh, Central Scouting, <laughs> uh, when it was their time. Their next pick was at number 92. Uh, their third pick was, I think, at number 125. So they seem to... Not reach as much as they had in the previous couple of drafts um, when they picked Simon Holmstrom in the first round a couple of years ago. There was a whole lot of who? And then the year after, again, they had no first round pick because they had traded it uh, for J.G. G- G- Pajo And I forget who they took another guy from Finland. Yeah, again, whose name already escapes me. And uh, there was a lot of who Um, this was not that draft. Like this was a a pick, a draft where some of these names had, had been on central scouting's list for a long time. In fact, their second pick at number 92 was a goalie named uh, Tristan Lennox, who again had, he plays with Saginaw, which you may remember from Blake Jenkins and Bodie wild where they played and uh, was the third rated goalie in North America, according to central scouting. So you know, somebody's putting these people on these lists, and if you look them up on com, you'll see, like, they're ranked in much higher than where the Islanders took them. So that that's probably a pretty good sign. I mean, again, look, these are all darts. They're all lottery tickets. Like, we don't know. You, you never know how these things turn out. And everybody's had that favorite prospect that turned out to not really, you know, establish himself as a pro player, and that just happens. And then they always draft a guy, and, you know, some team always drafts a guy in the seventh round and he ends up going to the Hall of Fame, whatever. But, um. You know, I, I this was it's much better to pick guys. I think for us personally that have been profiled and on these lists than to take guys that nobody's ever heard of. And if you want the exact opposite experience of what we went through as Islanders fans taking sort of chalk picks, uh, you should go look up the Ottawa Senators because basically every one of their picks was way off the board. Some some players weren't even ranked. Uh, they took Brian Boucher's son in the first round, which. A makes me feel about a thousand years old and B um, you know, he's like a Tom Wilson type apparently. And which would be great for the senators bad for everybody else. But like those guys don't kind of fall off trees. Like, you know, I think it took a lot for Tom Wilson to become Tom Wilson uh, all, all joking aside. Uh, And so, you know, I don't know if you necessarily want to, you know, spend a first round pick on that guy, especially when you're the Senators and you need a lot of help. So, uh, every pick they went was basically off the board, and a lot of Senators fans aren't particularly happy about it. And Islanders fans, I, we had the exact opposite experience. Everybody was kind of, you know, well, here's the best guy. Okay, go for it. It's almost like a fantasy draft. Like, who's the yeah. next best player available? Oh, well, all right, we'll take him. Um, and they got, you know, three forwards. Uh, two defensemen and a goalie, <laughs> which Lou uh, Lamorello also joked about. So, yeah, Atu Ratti at uh, 52nd overall. Cameron Berg. Cameron Berg. Mr. Berg uh, at 125. Itu Liukas also of Finland, at 157. Two defensemen, Alexei Malinin at 189. And Thomas Machu, 221st in the seventh round. Uh, and then goalie Tristan Lennox. So they spread it around. Some of these guys have, you know, had higher rankings earlier. You know, it's cool that when you can your team draft somebody, you
1: can go and read about them, Basically, is yeah, what I'm trying to say. yeah. stories uh, Rad, story is is pretty cool, and um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think there's I'll, I'll just it, it seems like they they have like a a focus like this off season. It does seem that way. Like everything has seemed very um, kind of checklisty with mm. the Islanders. Like go do take care of the Laddie, the Lad, and the Everly situation. Check, check, check you know, go through the draft without, you know, you know, we'll just keep it, you know, kind of copacetic. It just, it does seem like there's a very like, procedural uh, nature to this off season so far, uh, which is, has been encouraging. And uh, the, the, the the draft itself, like who, who the hell knows, like Adam <laughs> Pellick, I think Adam Pellick was the draft of the Islanders took seven defensemen. Yeah. Right. And you, you, you spend a first and second round pick on, uh, Reinhardt Griffin Reinhardt and Billy Polka who both who, I remember Billy Polka when the Islanders drafted him everyone being like oh that's the steal of the draft whatever and it ended up being the guy they took next was who was Pelic uh in the third <laughs> round so you just never know um with with these things but uh it just it it does seem that the Islanders came once again bears repeating like they come they came away very very much unscathed uh through the expansion draft-ish I mean yes like they lost Jordan Everly but if you look at the context which is another thing nobody did people who were like LOLing at the Islanders um, exposing Everly and Bailey was like yeah but it's it puts them in a kind of like a win-win situation because they'll lose a big cap hit which they need to do like nobody Mm -hmm. ever paid attention to that but um, they came away relatively unscathed there and uh, a lot of teams in the division which if you don't you know like we didn't even talk about the the hurricanes, everybody's favorite team trading <laughs> Nedeljkovic to the to the red wings uh, right. after he you know because they were afraid of his arbitration, yeah, which was okay. gonna be what three and a half million dollars for <laughs> for a goalie who just had a call their nominee season and is twenty five that you developed you just spent seven years developing him, and then that so you, it's um let's just say if the islanders had had pulled that stunt. Uh, they might've been kicked out of the league by, by everybody (laughs) online, but, uh, it's the, they came out of this, this period, which was, like I said, very tricky unscathed where their rivals in, in the Metro did not. So, uh, right now they're, they're just, they're looking good. Like it, it feels it, it, there's no, I had a, a big time sense of dread the last time we spoke and that seems to have dissipated, but (laughs) it can come back pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh,
3: oh, yeah. Obviously, it could always come back <laughs> when a, uh, with a, one move. Uh, and like I said, Wednesday is free agency day, which is brings up a lot of dreadful feelings for a lot of teams. So we'll have to see where that goes. But uh, so far, yeah, I mean, I think, again, like you said, this is it's all kind of very it's been scheduled. And I mean, the Islanders, again, like the salary cap situation we talked about in the first half have set themselves up for potentially uh, better things down the road with, with a draft of guys that seem pretty highly rated and, you know, maybe they were lucky to to find there. So let's see, maybe they found some gold. Okay. um, So finally let's talk about next season's schedule, which came out sometime last week. I don't even remember. Um, And it includes of course the opening of UBS arena. Well, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, there's been some delays, I think mostly due to materials that have been kind of hard to come by uh, in this still uh, pandemic-affected world. And so the arena will be opening later than the start of the season. How much later? Well, the Islanders' first game at uh, UBS Arena will be November 20th versus Calgary. That's a Saturday uh, versus their longtime rivals, the Calgary Flames. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or or expan- or their expansion cousins, the Calgary Flames, Whatever you, however you want to described so that means that the islanders have to start with a 13 game road trip to start the season and that's a lot that's an nhl record apparently uh the rangers had a nine game road trip back when msg was being renovated uh 13 is a lot more than nine and in fact lula amorello was on his post draft availability said that uh when i read the schedule i had to take a long walk let alone a long road trip uh because it's it's a lot and you know, you'd think, oh, okay, well, you know, they're waiting for the arena to start and they're on a long road trip that happens, but like, you know, they're probably end up playing the Rangers and Devils and Flyers and even like Bruins or something like that. No, this is not <laughs> this is not one of those road trips. This is a long road trip. They actually start in Carolina on October fourteenth, and this road trip will take them through places like Arizona, Vegas, Nashville. Then they end up playing Montreal, Winnipeg, and Minnesota. Then they have a couple of days off. Then they're in New Jersey, and you're like, oh, okay, great. But then they got to head down to Florida. Then they come back and they play the Flames. So, you know, it's a regular 82-game schedule. There are a couple of three-day breaks in there. There's one week-long break uh, between the 25th and 29th of October. They play... Vegas on the 24th and then Nashville on the, on the 30th. So they have five days to get from Vegas to Nashville. That's not too bad. It's probably a lot of vacation time in there. So I think the NHL tried to help them out as best they could. Um, But this is going to be tough. And I mean, it's 13 games. So if the Islanders can come out of that, you know, a game over 500, I think you'd probably take that as a victory. Um, after that, you know, that means that they have a lot of home games. And in fact, there's a stretch at one point where they think they have 11 out of 10 games at home. And, and there's one game in Toronto somewhere in there as well. Uh, so, yeah, first game UBS Arena will be Saturday, November 20th versus Calgary. Second game is the very next night, Sunday, the 21st versus John Tavares in the Toronto Maple Leafs. That ought to be fun. Wednesday, it's Wednesday night rivalry. Uh, rangers at U versus islanders at ubs arena oh and then the pittsburgh penguins come in on friday night so it uh, after the flames game it's a murderer's row of teams we'd like to murder uh, at our new home uh, so we'll see uh for me personally i'm looking at the schedule here which is obviously up on the Islanders' site this is the first time i can remember that the islanders are going to be home on new year's eve Usually they're on the road. I mean, it felt like they've been on the road every year forever on New Year's Eve. But this year they don't play actually on New Year's Eve. They they're off, but they're at home. They they're uh, against uh, home to Detroit on Wednesday, December 29th, Home to Buffalo on Wednesday on Thursday, December thirtieth, and then are home to Edmonton on Saturday, January first. So uh, to be honest, if I'm looking to go into a game, those, that Detroit and Buffalo. Back to back looks pretty good because <laughs> uh, I think uh, most most people are going to be off those those couple of days. So yeah, uh, check it out. It's pretty wild. Uh, you know, it doesn't sound like Lou Lamorelle was all that thrilled about it. I'm sure Barry Trotz has his concerns as well. Um, but hey, place has got to get done. So uh, I assume they're working around the clock to make that happen, and they've got until November 20th to finish every rivet and bolt in that place uh, before people start walking in the door. Uh, so yeah, it's exciting. It sucks. It's a one-time deal. Uh, And, you know, some people were like, oh, why don't they play back at the Coliseum? It's like, dude, (laughs) you can't go back to the (laughs) Coliseum. After (laughs) that final game, you can't go back there and play a Thursday night game against Nashville in October. Like, come on. It's just the Coliseum ended the way it should have. Let's leave it at that. And just make this one-time thing, a one-time thing. And that'll be
1: it. Yeah. and I was like, the schedule's tough, but you just, you you knew it was coming. Like this, something like this was going to be weird. And, um, I guess it's, it's almost could be a good thing uh, considering they're going to be, you yeah. know, breaking in some important new pieces uh, and and coaches always love to say how like road, oh, yeah. early road trips are good for that kind of stuff. Like, you know, team building and whatever, and uh 13 gamer will definitely do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think uh, it, it ended up in, in, I guess the best way possible. Cause you started to hear whispers that UBS arena wouldn't be ready in time for, you know, and the Islanders would be playing their first 10 games somewhere else. Like, like, Oh God, like this could, this could end up, you know, bad. And it didn't. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll fret, fret about it as much, much more as we get closer. Uh, but it was strange that, uh, that, the, 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 the trip is definitely, it, it, it did seem like, all right. Yeah. Like you, you'd think they'd send them, uh maybe do a couple games against like the Rangers flyers and then send them out West for, for a week. But this is this is definitely not how I thought I would draw it you know how it would be drawn up but it is what it is
3: <laughs> yeah yeah I agree I, that's why my first thought was oh yeah it'll be it'll be in the area or yeah maybe maybe even that Western Canada trip but nope not so much um there is another couple things one there's a two-week Olympic break in February uh I think I don't know if Olympic participation is even a guarantee at this point uh so we'll have to see what happens there but uh that that'll be helpful and it also kind of affects the schedule um if you are a fan listening in seattle and i don't know if there there are any uh the first time you'll have a chance to watch the islanders at home uh, will be tuesday january 4th they'll be at the kraken and then later on that month on the 29th the kraken will be at ubs arena so that'll that'll be a lot of fun um you know whenever the schedule comes out i'm always like oh man these guys are gonna go 0 in 82 there's no way they're gonna win any of these games and then of course i'm wrong so we'll have to see how it goes. there's a lot of back-to-backs i believe arthur staples said there were 19 back-to-backs um but you know the arena plus the the olympic thing it was gonna make for a, a crazy s- season anyway um but it would be nice to to be back to 82 games. <laughs> That's something we haven't had in a while. Uh, and uh, you yeah, know, we'll just have to hope that the islanders are are ready, and I'm sure Barry Trotz will have them ready. Um, yeah, so a lot has happened. Um, we'll hopefully talk again after free agency, aka Zach Parise Day, uh, and uh, you know, discuss where the Islanders are at. Hopefully, Casey Zeke is back in the fold. Hopefully, uh, Adam pellick might not be signed by that point because he is again an RFA. Um but uh, Anthony Beauvillier, Ilya Sorokin, you all know the list. These guys are all RFAs. There's really no huge uh, rush to get into any of them. Uh, you know, offer sheets can happen, but let's be honest, probably not going to. And so Wednesday figures to be the next big one. And uh, we'll find some time to talk after that and, and see where the Islanders are and how they've allocated their newfound cap space, <laughs> which is something, again, to reiterate a point we've made over and over, not something we thought that they would have. But hey, good good work, Lou. That was that's pretty good. Now you got to go out and replace <laughs> guys like Letty and Everly, and uh, I think he has a plan. If we all knew, if we know Lou Lamorello by now,
1: and I think we do, he's got a plan for everything. So we just hope that plan works out. Uh, yeah, I think I think it will. I, I I'm hopeful at least more ho- <laughs> more hopeful than I was last week.
3: That is good. That is that is true. I agree, and uh, I think that's about as perfect a way to end this extra long, supersized Sunday morning podcast. As you could possibly come up with. Uh, so, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. We had uh, our draft articles, people talking about the kids out there. Uh, so, take a look there. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with uh, two E's. Follow Mike on Twitter at The Big Lebowski with two E's. Read his work at Action Network. Um, Pre order Arthur Staples' book, 100 Things Islanders Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. It's an Amazon. Uh, It comes out in November, so check that out. Check out com, And, uh, yeah, we'll be back at some point, and uh, we will uh, talk to you then and see see who the new Islanders are uh, that uh, will uh, hopefully put the team over the hump at some point. And and we'll we'll definitely be on that crazy 13-game road trip. So thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye.